study of Galatians as a church, and it's something I've never done. I've never taken just a book and just gone verse by verse through it to study it with a group of people. And, and one of the things that, uh, that for me has been really great, we've been studying it um, just myself at home and the village church down in Texas, a guy named Matt Chandler. If you're like, man, I love this stuff so much, you've got to get some more, uh, hook yourself up on iTunes with some, of, uh, with some of his messages there on Galatians. Just some incredible stuff that you can learn. Uh, one of the things we've learned about Galatians, it's kind of like Groundhog Day. It's like the same day, same thing every day. Uh, he keeps going over. It's like you come to church and you're like, I know what he's going to say this Sunday. If we're talking about Galatians, I know what he's going to say. It's like, the, it's like the same deal. But now we're going to test and see if you've been listening all those times. What is the, if you were here last night, no answers, but it, what is the um, message of the whole book of Galatians so far? What does he continually keep saying over and over and over again? I know now you're turning to it. <laughs> what, is, what are two main things that he's mentioned? Oh, this is bad. This is really bad. What's that? I heard caca, caca over in this section. <laughs> get away from the law. Get away from works. Get away from trusting that, that you're going to be good enough for salvation or trying to do anything for salvation. What was the other side? What was he saying to do instead? Yeah, look to Jesus. Follow Jesus. Trust 100% in Jesus. Wow, you're pretty, this guy, sound man, water boy. All right, quality H2O right there. Thank you. I'm a, not a little horse. Uh, huh? <laughs> Sweet. All right. You guys with me? Galatians chapter 4. One thing we've been learning is that Paul's been building this defensive strategy against the Judaizers. There's people who, who came to freedom in Jesus. They had this freedom to live their lives for Christ. Just to, be, just to live. Just to be able to live uh, the way he designed uh, us to live. And it says these Judaizers, these Jewish guys from uh, Jerusalem came and said, hey, well, yeah, you can, you can accept Jesus and you can be free and forgiven, but you got to do some stuff after. Like you, you got to be, you know, you got to be going to the, to the temple at, at certain times to pray. You've got to like eat certain foods and not eat other ones. Uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of different things. There's 10 commandments. Did he tell you about those? You need to keep those as well. And they added all of this stuff to it. And what, what's Paul saying? He's like, he's writing this letter to them because he's not with them. He sends this letter and he says, hey, guys, you guys, were, you guys were free. You were free in Christ. And now you're going back to something that's not Christ at all. It's not good news. It's, it's, it's crippling to you. and it's the, it's the law and it's rules. Why are you going back there? The thing that we need to realize is this book was written to the Galatian churches and not to Kingsway. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't written to us specifically, but there's things we can learn from this uh, that, that mattered for us. And one of the things is this. If people back then would wander away from freedom in Jesus to follow other religions that bring bondage, it can happen today. Uh, and the reason it happens, people don't get grounded in their faith they don't grow up in Christ. They don't mature in Christ. They're just, they're just good to be kind of like, ah, you know what, whatever the pastor says, you know, that's, that's what I believe. That's good for me. Um, this week, I had a couple of gals call me on speakerphone, and they, were, they, they called up, and one, one has attended here pretty regularly, and one goes, um, she's been here just maybe once or twice. And so they, uh, they were sitting together, and they called me and said, hey, we just had a really great time. We just had a great Bible study. I'm like, oh, cool. And like, how, how'd that go? I'm like, oh, good. These Jehovah's Witnesses came to our house. And uh, they came in, and they've been talking to us. And they're doing a Bible study with us every week. And I was like, oh, cool. And so what are you learning? Like, you never, you never believe this. I asked them, what's the only difference between Christians and Jehovah's Witnesses? And guess what they said? They said there's only one difference. 
The only difference is that you guys call him God and we call him Jehovah. And I was like, really? That's what they told you, eh? It's the only difference. And they're like, yeah, can you believe it? Here I've thought, you know, all this time, they, they were terrible people. They're really nice people. And I was like, of course they're really nice people. There's just really nice people everywhere. It doesn't mean that, that what they're telling you is the truth. But I, th- you know, I just thought, you know, I just picked, this, picked their brains a little bit. I said, so, so what did they tell you about Jesus? And, and they said, oh, well, they said Jesus isn't God. And I'm like, really? And you think, you think, we, you think that's the same? Like, that, that's not a difference? He's like, what do you mean? I said, you know, Jesus is God. And they're like, no, 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 Jesus is the Son of God. He's not God. I was like, so here now we're talking about at least two differences. And I said, so what do they say about, you know, going to, going to heaven or going to hell? Oh, no, there's no heaven or hell. Really? So the only difference so far is that you call him Jehovah or you call him God. Oh, wait a second. Maybe, maybe there's another difference. You know, and if Jesus wasn't God, if Jesus didn't uh, die and there's no salvation and there's no afterlife, there's a whole lot of things different. And yet it took a phone call for them to figure that out. And I was thinking, you know what? There's so many times where people have freedom in Christ and they can wander away and so easily because nice people or nice things are said that they can find themselves back under rules, laws, and there's no life. None whatsoever. And I'm not saying that we're anti-Jehovah's Witness as a person, but I'm saying I would challenge you this morning with the same challenge that I gave them is whatever you hear, look it up in the Word. Go check it up in the, in, in his, in the Bible to see if what's really there. And you know, I ask people sometimes, and I ask them, I said, so what does the Bible say about it? And the most common answer I get is, I don't know. What do you say it says? You know, and there's that, that thought of, you know, hey, Mark's, that's why we pay him, right? He's supposed to tell us what the Bible says. That, that's, that's his job. My job is not that. My job is to help equip you to be able to do ministry, equip you to know the truth, that it's so deep in here that it doesn't matter what comes at you, that you're going to be able to stand strong. And Paul says that. He says that to the Galatians. It's why he keeps going it over and over and over again so that you understand this is what the good news is. It's all about Jesus, not about our works. And in this, he talks about the Ephesian church too. He says to the Ephesians, he says, hey, Hey, fellas, you know, I want you guys to figure this, this one thought. I says, put on the whole armor of God. He's like, I want you guys to have the armor of God on in your, in your life. You know, what does he mean? Like, is he saying, hey, when you wake up, go get the belt of truth and, you know, wear it today. Keep your pants up. That's good. You know, and put on the breastplate of righteousness, which I failed to be wearing this morning, it looks like. I'm also missing my helmet of salvation, my sword of the spirit, my shield of faith, you know, my shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, I, at least I got the belt and the shoes. We're good. He's not saying, hey, when you're getting dressed, but he says in the, in the same thought that you would dress yourself for war, he says, realize you are in a battle. I don't know if you know that. Did you realize that this morning? Did you wake up this morning and go, you know what? I'm in a battle today. I, I'm going to be fighting for my life today, for my spiritual life today. You probably just woke up and like, no, I'm going to church today. I wonder what they got at the cafe. I hope it's my favorite stuff. You know, hopefully all the coffee's not gone and the cream's not curdly. And mm, yeah, it's, and, that, and that was your thought. You're like, I just got to get there. It's going to be good. I just got to get there. Or did you think, man, you know what? I'm waking up and there's an enemy that's after my soul, that he's terrorizing the people in my life, that, you know what? God's given me the the gift of truth that I can stand against the enemy. And he says to stand, that when the battle's over, I'm standing and he's not. That when your temptations and your struggles with sin come against you, that in the end, I'm standing and they're not. Did, Did you wake up this morning with that thought? Because Paul wants to encourage you with that thought and say, listen, you're in a battle whether you know it or not, so get ready for it. You know, when, you, when these girls, they, they, they sit there and, and somebody just walks into their home and says, hey, I'm going to tell you what you believe, they're not ready for it. When the battle's over, they're just like, oh, I'll believe whatever you tell me I'm going to believe. And I want to challenge you this morning is don't do that today. 
don't, don't just believe that because I'm saying something, oh, that's what I'm going to believe today. Oh, that was a good word, Mark. That was good service. And go, and go home and be like, yeah, that's what I believe. My, my, my plea for you this, this morning is to, you have the word in English to go and to study it and say, what does it say for me? So I'm telling you, as, we, as I do that myself, the incredible truth that gets, that gets just deep down in here begins to set you free. Some of you is, anyways, that's not in my notes. Um, but this is what he's saying, put on truth. Put on truth. Know the truth. The Bible says it's the truth you know that sets you free. It's no good if I know the truth. That doesn't set you free. You got to know it inside right here. Not just head knowledge, but know it that you know it that you know it. That what Jesus did is more than enough. If you're here this morning, you're a follower of Christ. You, you know that, that you, you believe and you've received um, uh, forgiveness from Jesus and salvation. And you're sitting here and you have guilt over sin something's, or shame in your life right now. Or that you're feeling like, you know, you're not worthy or no good. Something's wrong. The enemy's fighting with you right now. The Bible says get truth. Get the helmet of salvation to guard your head right now. That I would say, hey, you know what? I, I'm saved because of what he did. It, it's not because of what I do. He says have righteousness. You know, again, another thing saying I'm right with God just because of what Jesus has done, not with, with, with just myself. And he says be prepared to share the gospel. Be prepared to tell the good news to other people. But if you don't know the good news, it's pretty hard to do. So this morning, Paul's talking through Galatians saying, hey, I'm equipping you right now. We're putting your armor on. We're helping you to get suited up this morning so you know what to do. You got truth this morning. And as you leave this place, you got your feet shod with the the preparation of the good news so you can share it wherever you go in faith that you're trusting in God that he's gonna, he's gonna take your words, take the words that you speak of, his words, and just throw them into the heart of people. And it's my prayer this morning as well for you. He said that you would have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know it so well because there's nothing that really compares or can stand against the word of God. You know, people's opinions, that doesn't line up with what the word of God says. When I have somebody says, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian, but I could... I could believe that Jesus is not God. It just blows my mind. That's like, that's like saying, you know, um, I'm married to Beth, but I could consider myself, you know, with any other woman. You know, yeah, she's here. I'm, it's, not, it's not true. But you know what I mean? We'd be like, this is just ridiculous. It's not possible. It's not possible for us to be able to think that way and just be convinced that way. But it says that it can happen. So I'm going to challenge you this morning, Kings. We'll get your armor on. That as Paul said this, that as we look at Galatians chapter 4, that we look at it in a different way, that, that we're getting the, the, the armor on. It's why we have the Alpha course. If you go through this, you're like, man, I, I don't, I, there's some of these things I still have questions. Then on purpose, say, I'm taking the Alpha course to get that armor on. I'm going to study First Peter because I'm getting my armor on. That it's something that happens more than just this morning. But this morning, got some good stuff for you. Galatians chapter 4, if you, if you got your Bible, uh, turn there. Chapter, uh, chapter 4 is uh, right after chapter 3. And the thing is, there is uh, no chapters. I know I'm saying that, yeah, anyways, I'm saying that because there's no chapters in the original thing. Paul wrote one letter. He's like, hey, this is the letter. This is what I'm writing to you. Uh, there's, they broke it up to make it easier for us. But I want you to realize that when he starts talking about what he's just about to say, he's tying it into what he just said, which we looked at last week. Uh, last week, we looked at the law and the purpose. Why did God give the law? Why did he give 10 commandments? We looked at it as it was like the cage that restrains the lion. Remember this? 
from last week, the, the lion, he's, it, the cage doesn't make the lion into a little kitty cat. It's still a lion, but it restrains him. It's why he doesn't sin badly. It's why he doesn't speed badly. Is because, you know, if it, it's to, to restrain you. The law also makes sin really, really uh, bad. And then we talked about how the law is like your guardian, supposed to get you to Christ. It, the law is like your babysitter, you know, which uh, if some of you had bad babysitters, uh, my cousins are actually here today, but it's not those cousins that I was talking about last week. So uh, <laughs> there was, um, there, there's, there's uh, the tutor that's training you. He says, this is all the things of the law. And then he says, after all of that, he says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. Even though they actually own everything that their father had, they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. That's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic principles of the, wor- of the world. And, and he, says, he says this, think of it this way. You know, the child's not a slave. The child whose father passes away and leaves him everything, the child's a child. It's his child, but the child lives like a slave. Even though he's not, he has to live like a slave because until the date is set that he gets the inheritance, he doesn't get it. Same, same thing. I know a guy, he's, 20, he's in his early 20s. You know, he could sure use some money. He's about, when he turns 25, he's going to get a few hundred thousand dollars. It's been put aside by him as an estate. But right now, he can barely pay his rent. He's like looking, hoping, and trying to, to you know, keep jobs going. But he, right now, he has to live like, like a slave until he gets to that place. Why? Because he can't go to the bank and cash in on it until that day happens. And that's what Paul's saying. That is, the, the kids, they live like slaves until they get to that that place, but he says it was like this only before Christ came. You know, when Christ came, he said, now there's the opportunity to be sons. There's the opportunity to be something more than slaves. You know, up until Jesus died, there was no other opportunity. You were a slave. It was just to one thing or another. In our lives, until we realize that Christ died for us, we're a slave to one thing or to another. He said, he said that, you know, to the Jews, he says, you guys were slaves to the law. You tried to obey the law, obey the law, obey the law, and it never worked to create relationship with God. For the Gentiles, he says they were, they were slaves to the basic principles of the world. It's talking about the basic elements of the world. So, for instance, you know, like uh, if they were going to sail at sea, they would try and appease Poseidon because that's the God who's going to help them either get there or not get there. We just had Valentine's Day, and Valentine's Day is all about love. You know, and you give your, your, you know, you send your sweetheart roses or something to, you know, hopefully, you know, think, oh man, I hope this woman's going to notice me. You know, if you're not married, you're like, oh, you know, you know, working out your best. Oh dear God, you know, may she please see me in church this week. I sent her the Valentine's anonymously. Hopefully she knows it was me, you know. There's, there's this, this prayer, oh God, but back then, they'd pray to like all kinds of gods, like Athena, you know, or, or Venus, or, or whatever, to try and have, uh, make love happen in their life. And this is the things that, that they were slaves to. These things had no power, no strength in their life. And, and he said, you know what? They're living like slaves. They're pursuing all these things, but it just never actually works out for them. And then he says in Galatians 4, verse 4, but when the right time came, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, uh, it says at the right time. You know, some, uh, when I was telling my atheist friend, he says, you know what, this Christianity thing's kind of like, it you know, doesn't make any sense. He's like, if God's so smart, why does he go and send, you know, the, the savior of the world in like the, the hick times and, and has a sacrifice in a desert somewhere that nobody can hear about? Why, why did he send it then? Why didn't he do it now? 
Why didn't he send them now where, you know, the internet, they could just watch it all happen. You know, like that guy who jumped out of the stratosphere and like, uh, you know, for the Red Bull cameras all over him and he flew 35,000 feet with whatever, that guy. You know, we could watch it all on these cameras. Why didn't he do it now? Why didn't he do it that way? But it says God knew the right time. You know, they actually, they talk about how the fact that at that point, the whole known world was under Roman Empire. There was, you know, roads to every place. There was a common language, which was the, the Greek language that, that made it very easy for people to communicate with one another this message. The Jews were so sick of being under Roman Empire. They were wait, wishing and waiting for the Messiah to come. They were looking for him, and they just didn't see him when he came. And it says all these other countries, they were so fed up with their gods because their gods did nothing for them when the Romans came in. And it says there was this perfect time. But either way, it just says God knew that it was that right time. It says at the right time, God sent his son. And uh, he says, you know, Paul gives more details than, than John 3.16. You know, we all know that. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whosoever believes in him not perish but have everlasting life. Paul adds to it, though. He says, you know, it wasn't just that he sent his son. He sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. He, he says, listen, you know what? It's really important that you understand who Jesus really is. And, you know, even, even for us, sometimes it's hard for our heads to understand how Jesus could be the Son and could be God, but it says he, he was God. If Jesus wasn't God, he could not have lived a perfect life. And you, anybody here know any man that's been able to live a perfect life other than my wife? No? Uh, oh, they are awake. Good. Um, but it says, you know, there, there's, no, there's no man who could live a perfect life. He says it had to be God. If, it, if, if Jesus was not God, there was no perfection possible. But it says he was born of a woman because if he didn't come as a man, he couldn't redeem men. He had to. The other thing it says with the law, if it wasn't born under the law, he couldn't redeem people from under the law. The message says this, that he, he, he came for, the, for one purpose, one purpose alone. It wasn't because he came to love you. He didn't come to show us how to live a good life. He came to pay an incredible penalty. He came to pay a death penalty for us. He came to bear the whole wrath of God for all sin on his body, on a cross. That was the mission that he came for. So that one thing could happen. He says that we, that us, could be adopted as his kids. Adopted as his children. Not so we could go to church. Not so we could follow rules. Not so we could find all stuff. We could be his kids. We could have relationship with him. Galatians 4, verse 4 to 7, and the message says it this way, and I love it. It says, but when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, God sent his son born among us of a woman born under the conditions of the law so he might redeem those of us who had been kidnapped by the law. Thus we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. You can tell for sure. Listen to this line. You can tell. You, you can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives crying out, Papa, Father, doesn't the privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you're not a slave but a child? Not a slave, but a son. And if you're his child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. I just want to end today with a few thoughts. Three short points. That uh, My question for you is, are you living today like a son or are you living like a slave? Do you have the benefits of what it is to be a son that's adopted by God? Or, or are you living a life, see, even in your Christian life, as a slave? Says you, the Bible just says you are not slaves any longer. You're not you know, before at the beginning of chapter 3, he's beating up on them. Hey, you idiots, you fools, you guys are so, like, dense. He's like, how do you not see this? But now he's back to being friendly. 
He's like, you brothers, he says, you guys are no longer slaves. It's just time to live like you're no longer slaves. Stop fighting your addictions and your, your temptations and your struggles with sin as if you're bound by it. Stop trying to fight and get free as if you're still stuck, as if you're still in the handcuffs, as if you're still in prison. He says, if you could just see that you're already free, you could look at your prison and realize, I'm not fighting this battle cuffed. I'm fighting it from a spot of freedom because of what Jesus did. It totally changes the strength of where you come from in your battle because you're not a slave. He says, you're a son. He says, and sonship is not based on what you do. You know, we, we don't think about it that way, but, but a lot of times... You know, with God, we think of our relationship with Him is really based on what we do. And this is what Paul keeps coming back to. It's not based on what you do, but who you are or whose you are. For instance, my son Maddox, that kid is, he's grown up way too fast. He's got two older siblings, and he watches and he learns. He crawled at, I don't know, three months. You know, he walked at four. He's just been into everything since then. Uh, He's my boy, you know, so he's, uh, but he's, he's just into everything, and you try and you tell him, Max, you know, stop doing that, and he'll look at you, and he's like, oh, and, and then he, he's got this obsession with chairs, and this obsession with things, and, and you, say to, you say to him, hey, hey, Maddox, you know, don't, don't do that, and, and, and you see him pushing the chair. The other day, we were just sitting in the, well, about a month ago, sitting in, a, uh, sitting in the living room, and all of a sudden, Beth hears the chair getting pushed across the floor. And she's like, oh, man, here we go again. She's sitting there with the baby. So she, uh, she decides, well, I'll take the iPad and go find out what Max is up to. And th- this is what he's up to right here. There's no video of it. Anyways, you have an idea. So there he is. But see, you can just leave that. When Maddox gets caught... He tries to do things faster. Let's get as much done as possible. So when he starts shaking and grabbing the thing, and he's like, oh, oh. See, see, here you go. You'll see him, see? Yeah. Now, now this, this would be really cute and fun if it was the only time it happened that day. Three times that day, we're like, Max, you know what? And, and sure enough, and the third time we see him, yeah. We see him pushing the chair towards the, towards the tap, and we're like, Max, and he's like looking, and he's crying because he knows he's doing something bad, but he's going for it. This kid's got an obsession with water. The one day we're sitting there on the couch, and Beth looks, and there's Maddox with the iPhone, her iPhone, standing by the bathroom door, looking, just waiting by the door till Beth notices. And as soon as she notices, she's like, Max. And he just like runs straight to the toilet. By the time she gets there, he's swirling the iPhone around in there. He's fishing with it, $800 iPhone, done, right? So Beth's on like, a, if, she, if you realize you can't text her more than 140 characters per text right now, it's because she's being punished. You know, so, she, the, but, but this thing of, of if, when Max goes through this, it's not like we go up to him and be like, that is it, Maddox, you are no longer a Vanderweer. You know what, from now on, you're a bunting until you behave, you know? And until, until you've been able to live a whole week without doing something dumb like this, you are not my son. But, but isn't it sometimes that we think that way with God? That in our heads, the enemy would just lie to us and tell us, you know what, I feel so rotten. You know, if I can just go this whole week without doing that sin, I can get to church and God's going to love me. I love what Keisha said, because the love of God is so incredible for you, just, just because of who you are, not what you do. And it's the same thing. He says, I've adopted you as sons. I've, did you realize that with adoption, uh, for any of you who are familiar with the adoptive process, 100% of the work is done by the parent. Do you realize as, as a child that there was nothing that you had to do? 
He just said, I'm going to adopt you as sons. I'm going I'm to do everything before you were even here. He says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us 2,000 years ago. He paid for all of your sin already. He says, he's already done it all. He says, all you got to do is just choose to be adopted. You know, the, the, the child is chosen. Every one of us is chosen. You're like, well, you know, some are chosen and some aren't. What if those people are and what if I'm not chosen, you know? Because the enemy loved to throw that into you. Let me say, let's say it this way. I believe that the Bible says God so loved the world, not the good people, not the chosen ones, not the ones he had, whatever. He loved the world. He chose the world. He chose to say, I'm going to die for the sins of the world, and I will give the opportunity for adoption as a free gift to whoever would want it, to whoever would take it. But it's like us at Christmas. You know, you go down to the Christmas tree on Christmas morning, and you look under the tree, and you see there's a gift with your name on it. And you're like, wow, look at all those gifts under the tree, and all I got to do is go and open it. But you can sit on the couch and be like, no, I'm not opening that gift. I don't want it. You know, just wrong shape, wrong color. I don't like the wrapping paper. I'm not opening it. Seems too hard. Like, you know, I might open it and it might be like a cage. You know, my parents can put me in a cage. I'm, I'm not opening that. We'd be fools, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we? That, that never happens. Does it happen in your house? Not mine. They're like, they'll open theirs and everybody else's. You know, they're thrilled to have the gift. Same, same thing here. He says that gift of salvation, the gift of being adopted as his kid, it's yours. It's under the tree. You know, it's, it's amazing that when you think about it, if you think about this, the adopted children have the same rights as the sons. The sons by birth. If you think about Jesus being the son of God, that you have the same rights and privileges as he does just because God says, I adopt you as my son. I adopt you as my child. It changes the way we think about it. It says this, they have the privileges of intimate conversation with God. No middleman anymore. He says, you know, God wants to talk to you in a way that's just close real close in, in communication. He doesn't want you to have to learn everything through me. He wants to speak to you. He doesn't want you to have to come to church to just make your prayer request known there. He wants to hear from you. He, he wants that connection. And you know what? He goes real deep and says, the, the words are the, the thing in your heart that you know that you're born again is that you have this thing in your heart that calls out, Dad, Dad, can you call God Dad? Is there something on the inside that says, Dad, I need you today. He wants that kind of close relationship. That's what Jesus called him in the, in the garden when he was just about to go through the, through the crucifixion. He says, Abba, Papa, Daddy, if there's any way that this can happen differently, please let it happen differently. But whatever your plan is, I'm good with it. But the relationship of Daddy, when I come home and open the door, you know, my son Max, he's right there and he's like, Daddy! And it's like, it's one of the words, the only words he knows, right? So, and he shouts it with vigor, but he'll be standing at the top of the stairs. And as soon as I can get my jacket off and turn to him, he's jumping, throwing himself down the stairs to catch him. Why? Because he knows he can trust that I'm not going to drop him, I'm not going to let him fall and be like, whoop, no, sorry, you were in the tap. I saw the video, you know, it sucks to be you. You know, when you drag yourself up, then you come back and I'll give you a hug. It's none of that. So why would we think that God would be like that? He's not. He's not. He wants an incredible thing. You know, sons, they talk to their father. Slaves just obey the rules. And it's so easy to go between those two if, you're not, if you don't realize it. Tomorrow you'll wake up and realize you can live in the fact that I'm a son. I'm a child of God. You know what, God, thank you that we can do life together today. You don't have to go through penitence and all kinds of things just to get right with God for whatever, you know, bad dream you had last night. You know, it's, it's this whole thing or whatever you said to your wife when you woke up and, you know, in the morning. It's, it doesn't matter. He says he's forgiven that you just go to him and live the life with him. It says that you have two things, intimate conversation with God and the last thing, that you've got complete access to the inheritance. You know, the Bible tells a story of two sons in, in, in the book of Luke. 
two sons. We often, often hear about it as the, the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son. Many of you know the story. A guy has two sons, and the, the one younger son comes to him and says, Dad, I really, I wish you were dead. But since you're still alive, you know, I want my inheritance. I want whatever I was getting. You know, when you die, I want it now. And the dad's like, oh, man, okay. You know, sure, fine, here you go. You know, do whatever you want. And this son takes everything, the inheritance, and he says he runs as far down the road as he possibly can, spending it on uh, wild living, prostitutes, you know, gambling, whatever he could, uh, uh, drinking his face off. He spent it all there looking for joy and freedom and life. You know, this is going to be the party. Gets there and realizes that in the end, he finds himself in slavery. He finds himself feeding pigs in a pigsty, not even being paid enough to buy his own food, wishing he could eat the stuff he's feeding the pigs, and the farmer won't even let him do that. He's a slave. So it says he goes back and he says, he's got a plan. All of a sudden it dawns on him, wait a second, the slaves in my dad's house, they eat better than, 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 uh, than I do here. You know, I'm going to go back. Maybe I can't be a son, but at least I could be a slave. So he starts working it out in his head. He comes up with a speech as he's walking back. And I'm not telling this story as if it was way back then because many of you do the same thing. You walk down thinking, oh God, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, gonna t- I'm never going to do that stuff again. God, I'm, you know, I'm not worthy to be called your child. There's nothing good in me. And there's this thought process of walking towards God saying, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I'm not worthy to be called a son. That's what he says, not worthy. But as he's walking back, what do we know from the story? The dad just waiting. She's waiting by the, the, you know, the, the veranda looking out. And it's like, hey, there's my son. This is sweet. He's like, hey, guys, you guys take care of things. Jumps over, starts running, booking it. And here he is, still head down, shoulders to the ground, stinking like a pigsty, full of still all the crappy stuff he'd done. Oh, dude, you know, I'm not worth And he gets, maybe I should tell him I want to be a slave first, then not a son, whatever. And what happens? Dad just grabs him, wraps his arms around all that stinky pig manure and says, boy, I'm glad you're home. Man, I'm so glad you're back. Wait, Dad, I got a speech. No, no, I'm just glad you're here. No, no, Dad, I got a speech. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Nonsense. You're my kid. I don't care what you've done, who you did it with. And, you know, don't tell me about it. Just come here and wraps his heart. He says, what does he do? He changes his clothes for him. He says, he puts a robe, a new robe on him. He gives him a ring, which says, I give you authority in my home. He says, you know what, son, this is who you are. It's who you always were supposed to be. And he restores him to that. You think, man, what an amazing story. But you know what? Probably more common is the other brother. Probably more common is the other brother in this story. Whereas we find ourselves so often, we, we you know, we're, we're good Christians. We don't we go out and do all that kind of stuff. We know that's not, we know all that stuff's not right, you know. We, we're, we're doing good. And what does it say, the older brother? He hears about this party that's being thrown for his younger brother, who's a, just a terrible kid. And he says, when he gets to that place, he's like, what's going on? They're like, they're throwing a party for your brother. He's like, that's, that's it. Like, I don't deserve that. He doesn't deserve this kind of treatment. He's like, Dad, come here. We got to talk. He's like, Dad, listen. I have been serving you. Dad, I was just working in your field all this time. And you never gave me even a little baby goat to have a barbecue with my friends. And Dad says to him, he didn't say, hey, you know what? You're right. He says this. If you listen to the words of that son, he's like, it's all about working, about serving, about doing, doing, doing. He says to the son, he says, listen, son, he says, everything I have is yours. Don't you realize what being a son actually means? You don't need to ask for a billy goat. You can have the whole herd of cattle. You could have had this fattened calf if you just, if you wanted it. Don't you realize that that's who you are as a son? My question for you is the same thing. You know, as long as we stay in that spot of just working and doing, 
or we stay in that spot of running to try and please ourselves with every, you know, thing that we think is going to do it for us next. We find ourselves lost in the spots of slavery on both sides. But it's not what he called us to. He said, I want you to be my son. I gave my life. I left heaven. I left it all because I wanted relationship with you. He said that he's trying to explain to the Galatian church this all this stuff of don't do the law, don't do the law, don't do the law, don't do the law. Here's why. He says, you got it so good. You can have adoption as sons. My challenge to you this morning is this. Are you choosing adoption? Are you choosing just to be a son based on everything that the Father did for you? Or are you choosing slavery in one of these two camps? My prayer for you this morning is maybe that you're going to be one of these people that says, you know what? I, I, don't, I didn't know God. I mean, I might have done church and whatever else, but I didn't know God. But this morning, the lights come on for me. God, I receive your gift. I'm opening that gift of salvation, forgiveness, of freedom that I don't have to try and impress you. I can just be your kid. God, I'll take that this morning. And, and you would receive that in this place. Maybe you're here this morning and you're, you've, been, you've been trying to bring joy and happiness and comfort and peace of mind in your life by everything that you can try. You know, drinking yourself till you can't think anymore. Trying the next new drug. You know, sleeping with the next woman that's down the road. You know, the whole Hopefully that one of these things is going to bring love into your life, challenging you. If you can turn and look and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to look to you for all that in my life. He can do that in your life this morning. He can make you a son that, that that relationship with him would just far outweigh that. And maybe today you're sitting here and you've been sitting here a long time. You've gotten used to the routines. You've gotten used to this is what I do and what I don't do as a Christian. And you're missing out on just what it is to have relationship with God. When it talks about intimate conversation with God, you don't know what that is. Like, God, he doesn't talk to me. You know, I don't hear him. He wants to speak to you this morning, but you got to come to that place of saying, God, I'm coming as a son. I'm not coming as all the things I've impressed. You know, that you could choose adoption this morning. That the truth of what I'm sharing with you this morning, I challenge you to look it up. It's true as true as true. That when it hits here, it will change your life. The truth will set you free. I got one video we're just going to close with this morning. How are we doing for time? We're good. It just shows a real great picture uh, of adoption and what it means for us. You are the children of God. You're the redeemed. You're forgiven because of who he is. That you would live in that this, uh, this week and in, in, in that understanding. This morning, if you're here and you're like, hey, you know what? There's something in here that's just, just missing for me. I know that, that what I see is what I want, but I need a little help getting to this, this life of following Christ. I, I, I want that, that feeling of being the child of God. Please come talk to me after. Come pray with somebody up here at the front. We'd love to, to do that with you and just introduce you to Jesus in a very real way this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for your word. <laughs> thank you that you, uh, you gave us these, these stories and these things written so long ago that just speak truth even into our circumstances and our life situation. Dad, thank you for adopting us. Thank you for calling us your kids. Thank you for uh, solidifying that in us by your spirit. And I pray this week, Holy Spirit, that, at, that each day every person here would be able to walk out in that, knowing that they're your child and that they would be able to live uh, with that truth uh, emanating from their life. God, thank you so much for your love. It is what we celebrate. It's why we're here this morning. I love you a lot and pray, uh, God, that uh, whatever the enemy would try and steal, we just rebuke that right now in Jesus' name, that these seeds would just continue to grow and bear fruit in the lives of people here. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.